Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. A mighty and everlasting Father, I just want to appreciate you again. I give you all the praise, the glory, the honor, the adoration, and the magnification for your love, for your goodwill, your intent, your purposes, your desire concerning us. And that the Lord which you are doing and that which you have determined to do, we exalt your name. We glorify you. It's your always desire, it's your desire always that we come before you to take instructions and God here we are this day we're demanding God that you fill us with wisdom and understanding give us a fleshly heart to receive your word and let it become a seed so that it can produce a hundredfold in Jesus name Amen Hallelujah okay so um, last week I told you I started a new series which I call every man is a believer and this is going to be part number two and um Essentially, last week we dealt with the issue of the taste. The taste, um, people will say, well, there is no God. We dealt with that. But whether you say there is no God or not, you believe in something. You only believe in yourself. Anyway, so this is going to be part number two. But let's take our text like we read before. Mark chapter 9, verse 23. Mark chapter 9, verse 23. Hallelujah. Jesus said unto him, if thou can believe, all things are possible to him that would believe it. All things are possible to him that believe it. Everybody's a believer. It's either you're believing in God to get you to do things, or you're believing in yourself to get things done. Everybody's a believer. Hallelujah. And I shared that extensively last week. And I tried to make us understand the relation to the taste. Is the atheist the one who believes that there is no God? And I try to also make us understand that you don't limit that to the man who says an atheist. Because in your own way of thinking, you definitely can come to the place of thinking that there is no God. So atheism, in the broader sense, I just want to recap. Is the absence of belief in the existence of deities absence of believing the existence of deities less broadly atheism is a rejection of the belief that any deities exist in the narrow sense that when you come down to the lowest level atheism is specifically the position that there are no deities praise the lord and we start in Psalm 53, verse number 1. Psalm 53, verse number 1, the Bible has said, The fool have said in his heart, there is no God. Corrupt are they, and have done abominable iniquity. There is none that doeth good. The fool have said in his heart, there is no God. That is not just your taste, like I said before. It cut across everyone. When you start thinking that there is no God, either because of what is happening to you, either because of circumstance or whatever is going on, 
you are also acting as an atheist. Praise the Lord. All right. Um, I also try to make you see a different level of this atheistic belief. The first one, there have been some, and many who have denied the existence of God, that's the atheist. There are others who, which are absolutely denying the divine existence, they deny his providence. These are people who feel that all the way they've gotten, they've gotten by their own effort, God is not involved. It's a level of an atheist. And just like we read in Deuteronomy chapter 8, so that you come to say later, when you are rich and wealthy, that the might of my hand has gotten me this way. You are an atheist, but you are a believer in the house of full of faith. And that the third category I showed you was others, uh, which are very numerous also, the profess to acknowledge both God and the world, but deny them in their heart and live as if they were not persuaded there was any God at all. You know what? They live their life without thinking of God is concerned about the way I live my life. That's another level of being an atheist. You're not, you're not just concerned about, you don't bother about what God thinks about the way you live. Amen? Maybe some of you have heard about Karl Marx before. You've heard about Karl Marx? Uh, he was born in Trier in Germany, Rhineland in 1818. He came from a family Jewish background who got converted, the father got converted to Christianity from Judaism to pursue his career as a lawyer because the Prussians were persecuting the Jews. So he decided to shift from being a Jew and became a Christian and Karl Marx was born at that particular time. And now, you know, he had a lot of theories, economic theories, and on it. What a great philosopher. But this is what I want to say about him. And there are other people at that particular time also. Now, I discovered that something actually pushed them into the thing they were thinking about. And the kind of oppression that was in the society. They were trying to fight the oppression in the society. And it made them to go thinking as if there is no God. Now, this is one of the things he said. Uh, Kamas quoting... Prometheus says, Prometheus is opposed to all divine and earthly gods who do not acknowledge human self-consciousness as the highest divinity. That is to say, they were saying that humanity, the way you think, and the human consciousness, like people, some, some even Christian profess today, that any God that denies that, that the highest form of divinity is human self-consciousness, it's no God. By implication, man is a God by himself. Are you listening to what I'm talking about? And you see, we have people teaching that today. Maybe you've not seen them. You've not heard about them. Talk about involving. And in fact, they use it in a different way. They call it Christ consciousness. But what they're actually trying to propagate is self-consciousness. So they feel the self-consciousness, human self-consciousness, is the highest form of divinity. And that any God similarly would not recognize that. Now what they mean to say now is, if you leave your self-consciousness to believe in a divine God, then that God is wicked. So for them, there is no God. Kama said that. 
from Prometheus. Again, he said that man projects his own perfection into the supernatural and calls the sum of these qualities God. And so man is alienated from himself. <laughs> man is separated from himself because he's projecting his own perfection into the supernatural and he calls it God. By implication, man has all the ability to do whatever thing he could do. Are you sitting there with me? Praise the Lord. I, I want you to understand some of these things. So that you can see precisely where you can be. That you can fall into these categories of people who feels there is nothing like God. The highest form of God is self-development. And largely some of what we we see as motivational speakings come into this category because they tell you how powerful you can be and what you can do of course you can do things because to him that believe that all things are possible but that is not to say there is no god if you check the bible you discover that cain and all that came from cain who killed Abel, the bible made us understand the beauty city but remember Cain left the presence of God and dwelt in the land of Nod. But it could be in a city. Why could he do that? Because they have mind. God gave man the power of imagination to do whatever thing you want to do. Are you there with me? Again, Carmine is an angel, one of his closest friends. They said, all religion reflect that human lives are controlled by external powers over which you have no control. So to them, that is not acceptable. And all religion teaches and believe that human lives are controlled by external powers over which they have no control. By implication, you are supposed to control yourself. Are you sitting there with me? But I have always said this. Are people who also have asked me questions with regard to that. I'm not so much going to emphasize that because there is something I'm going into this morning which has to do with idol worship. You're a believer, but you worship idol. But let me permit me to say this. We always have this statement that says man is a free moral agent. That's a free will. But is that true? I don't think so. Romans 7, Paul was saying that which I want to do I could not. The things that I don't want to do, that is what I do. If I should do the thing that I don't want to do, it means another law is working in my members. Paul said, I'm a born servant or slave of Jesus. No slave has a free will. Am I correct? Once you are a slave, your free will is gone. You can't tell me you are a slave and you have a free will. If a slave has no choice. When the children of Israel were slaves in Egypt, what choice were they having? So, it's either you're a slave to God to serve him, or you're a slave to the devil to serve him. What I mean is, either one of them must control you. No man is a free moral agent. I don't believe that. Hallelujah. Are you still following what I'm talking about? So, 
when Thomas and all those people start teaching this because they were revolting against the bourgeois, against those who have money and using other people like slaves, that's what led to all of this thinking. And they begin to think that you don't need anything called religion because that is opium of the people. It makes you feel oh, satisfied, whatever. You need to develop yourself. They begin to teach that. A lot of Christians are also believing that. So inadvertently, they are Christian socialists, if I may use the word. Because karma and are involved the issue of socialism and communism. Community life. Praise the living God. But we must not, for any reason whatsoever, neglect the fact that God exists. And I'm going to make you see that. Now, for those who don't go this way, especially for those of us in Africa, we go by the way of idol worship. Largely, I don't blame people who go by that. And you say, why are you saying that? Because that is the only thing they knew before now. He said, the reason a lot of people truly go to worship idols is because man is always seeking divine intervention. Are you following what I'm talking about? Now let me give you a simple illustration in Nigeria, for instance. You see, to the north, men worship rocks. How many of you understand that? The middle beds, they worship trees. To the south, they worship river. So the element in creation that is readily available is what man was looking towards. But what I mean is, God must have created this river. So if we serve the river, we can connect to the God who created the river. That's what they were doing. Are you listening to me? That is why he said, when you pursue that which you call marine spirit, when you go to the north, you will not have marine spirit there, you are going to have rock spirits. So if all you know how to deliver is to deliver marine spirit, when you go to the north, you have no business. Because there's no river there, so there's no marine spirit there. But this is just the foolishness. The point is man is looking for God and he could say, if God created this thing, if I can attend to this thing, I can connect to God. That's the idea of idol worship. I'll make you see that. Are you still there with me? And in the true sense, you create a power. If I may use the word, there are entities that are all over that can capture your thoughts and make use of them. To their own advantage, you become stooge to them. I remember when I was, I was a young, but when I got converted somehow in the in, in, in the CSC church in those days, and uh, we went for witnessing, and then we were able to get a sister who had a shrine to come to church, and this sister. If you go to her shrine and she wants to work for you, she will read the Bible. She's not educated. She's not been to school. But we know that she has seven Bibles on her altar. And if she goes there, she take the Bible, open the Bible and begin to prophesy to you. You know, give you visions. So when we took this sister away to church and... After about a month, then I was in River State. I got back. And I read the sister. I said, she has gone back. Go back to where? She has gone back to a red shrine. Why? He said, she said, 
Since she became a Christian, she can no longer see vision. And she can't read the Bible. And she can't live this kind of life. She needed a line that connects so the supernatural. So she went back to idol worship, reading the Bible. I'm talking of somebody who is not a believer. Now, what makes her to be able to read the Bible when she's near the shrine? Powers. That is why, largely, sometimes when you look at people say they're backsliding, this is the point. Don't give something to someone, or rather, don't take something from someone when you cannot replace it with a higher thing. Do you understand that? You take somebody from either worship and you don't let this person connect to divinity, you're wasting time. The person is definitely going to go back. We have seen this. But what is idol worship? 1 Corinthians 8, verse 4. I just read that and go to 1 Corinthians 10, verse 19. 1 Corinthians 8, verse 4. As concerning therefore the eating of those things that are offered in sacrifice unto idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world. And that there is none other but what? God. One God. There is nothing like an idol. So, you are the one that empowers whatever thing you call an idol. There is nothing like an idol. That's what the Bible says. Hallelujah. I'll give a story. I think I was sharing it. Just walking on the side a few days. I, I can't remember. But when I was young, when primary school, we went to school and we we're coming back. We played all our life. We came so tired and hungry. And then on the road, by the side of the river, here was an altar erected for some demons, if you will, which is their gods now. They have Sprite, they have Fanta, they have Coke, they have uh, Banana, all properly arranged for their gods. So I, I looked at these things, I was terribly hungry. And I, I looked at my friend and I said, Man, what do you think about this thing? They said, uh, I said, man, I think we, we can have them. Do you want to have them? They said, yeah, if you want to have them. So we went there and, and took everything. The Fanta, the Coke, the banana. We took everything and we were eating and enjoying ourselves going back home. The good part of the story is this. There was no devil that came to ask me, where is my Coke? I don't know if you follow what I'm talking about. There is nothing like an idol. So you see, when the person who erected that thing comes the next day, he can just rejoice that his own God has taken the food. So I'm the God now. Hallelujah. There's nothing like an idol. You see, it is your perception. It's your... It's, you create power into that shrine. Nothing like an idol. I gave you a story here. My father was an idol worshiper. And in my family, you don't eat snail, which is Congo meat. What doctors tell you to eat to get blood. You don't eat it. And if you dare eat it, your body will be scaling like the body of a lizard. 
When I got converted, I went to River State. I was with a friend. The friend has an eatery. And he asked me, oh, David, do you eat snail? I said, sure, I do. And so they brought these wonderful snails, man. The bottle of Coke. I do good justice to them. I left nothing. And I washed my skin. I was good. I stayed the father's second day, one week. Second week, I went home. And my mom was running to meet me. And I said, Mama, it's near. She just turned and started running back to my dad. I said, please, come, 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 our only child. He ate snails, so go get the sacrifice. Because if you do, my dad will get ashes from the fire, get some things, clean your body, take you to one corner, do a lot of things for you to be able to restore your skin. And my mom asked me, so who did sacrifice for you? I said, nobody. And my dad came and said, you mean nobody cleans you and you're still like this? I said, nobody did. He said, this is your Jesus, serve him well. That's how my dad concluded. That's not like an idol. It's your belief that creates the power into those things. Are you still following what I'm talking about? Look at all this. As concerning the things, I mean, offer to idols. We know, hallelujah, that an idol is nothing in the world. Nothing. And that there is none other God but what? One God. An idol is nothing. That's what the Bible says. I believe that. I've experienced that. Are you sitting there with me? So your belief system. So if you do something and say, maybe this idea is going to kill me. This idea is going to do this. Power will definitely begin to flow. Entities will capture your thinking and begin to walk. And consonant with the way you think in your mind. There's nothing like an idol. That is why I don't believe that. Because your father has an idol, therefore a cause must follow you. It's a lie. It's not scriptural. Hallelujah. Are you sitting there with me? Praise the living God. Let me read another scripture. 1 Corinthians 10 verse number 19. 1 Corinthians 10 verse number 19. What say I then that the idol is anything? Or that which offered in sacrifice to idol is anything? It's a question. What's the next thing? But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I will know that ye should have fellowship with what? With devils. Now, this is the main thing. You don't need to get yourself involved with some entities that will come and capture the things that are offered. Your thinking in your partaking of the sacrifices connect you to other entities. Is that okay? Go with me. I would like us to read this from 1 Corinthians 10 verse 19. Message translation. There's something very, very significant that I want you to pick from there. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse number 19. I'll read it up to 20. Do you see the difference? Message translation. Sacrifice offered to idols are offered to nothing. Oh God. Did you get that? They are offered to what? Nothing. For what is the idol but a nothing? You, you, you got to follow what the scripture says. You got to believe what the scripture says. Hallelujah. I remember one time over there. I'll read the next place. 
I came in the next morning to service, I mean to the office, and I find there was a sacrifice in front of the church. I just swept it away with my legs. Nothing. I know that I do or whatever thing is nothing. I know that from scripture. I push it away. And nothing happened. Nothing will happen. Everything. Listen, if you get intimidated, spirits are there to capture your spirit of intimidation. They work on you. And you begin to believe that an idol has done it. The idol is nothing. Look at the next verse. This is where I'm going to. Hmm. Or worse than nothing. <laughs> the idol is not you. Or worse than nothing. A minus. <laughs> a demon. I don't want you to become part of something that reduces you to less than yourself. Did you get that? In worshiping an idol, you reduce yourself in less than yourself. The idol is less. Now you're worshiping that which is less. So you reduce yourself below where you are supposed to be. You are in the express image and the glory of God. So when you bow down to idol, you're reducing yourself below. The Bible says it's a minus. Are you getting what I'm talking about? Friends, every form of idol worship is not about ignorance. If you know who you are, you don't have any need to get involved in idol worship. In an attempt to worship an idol, you reduce yourself to less than nothing. In fact, you bring in yourself lower than what is supposed to be. Already a demon, I mean an idol is nothing. So therefore, when you worship that which is nothing, you reduce yourself to lesser than nothing. Did you get this? You don't need to get yourself involved in all of those things. You only pity people who are involved in all of those things. Nothing. The idol is nothing. But people worship nothing in place of God. I don't know if I get what I'm talking about. In seminar, doing simply means you're worshiping nothing in place of God. Praise the living God. Are you see that? So go with me to Psalm 115, verse number 4. Psalm 15, verse number 4. I remember when I was in River State and there was this ceremony that they do yearly. You know, they do all kind of... And somebody came to me and said, My brother, are you going to be out there? I said, out there as to what? Even if I go out there, I know they are doing nothing. It's just a festival. They are just celebrating ignorantly. Not any special. And for me, there is no demon there. They're just wasting time. Are you sitting with me? I just see. For me, they are just traditions. There is no power in whatever thing they are doing. They are just traditions. Nothing. They intimidate you. And get that which you are supposed to have from you because you are afraid. So in the first place, they use the spirit of fear to intimidate you and you lose control. Can I say this? The most weakest, weakest, when I say weakest, when you talk about weakness, right? And fearful of all spirit in creation is the spirit of witchcraft. 
You may not know that, but you've got to know it today. The witch is the most fearful and intimidated being. But because you've heard that this person is a witch, you're already afraid. So it works on you because of your fear. Otherwise, you are very intimidated. If you recognize somebody to be a witch and you, you dare go to that individual and say, Hey, listen, listen, I know you are a witch or a wizard. Right from that moment, they become scared of you. Are you following what I'm talking about? You don't have to be afraid of all these crazy things. You, know? you have, see, Bible says, greater is in you than he that sent the world. There is something on your inside that those things cannot attend to. But you reduce yourself because you don't recognize that factor. You don't understand that, that there's a divine being living on your inside. By reason of the Holy Spirit. So you're afraid of that which is called idol. So you get yourself involved. I just have to save my life. I have to save the life of my children. And then you go to the traditional herbalist and they tell you things to do. Sacrifices to offer. And then you do, while you're doing all of those things, it's not about what? Protection. You just want protection. That's why you go to idol worship. Am I correct, somebody? Psalm 115, verse number 4. The idols are silver and gold. <laughs> the work of man's hand. And you remember that? That's why I keep saying, we have a lot of people in this country that tell us, demons came into this country when they had first 77. Have you heard about that? Now, all of those things, Benin Empire, all of those crafts that were taken away to the UK, we are struggling to bring them back today. Why? When they go to UK, they become artifacts, beautiful things as sculptures. When they come to Nigeria, they become idols. Can you get what I'm talking about? You said it was idol for first 77. Now you're asking that the government of Britain or wherever to bring them back. What are you doing? You simply mean you don't even know what you are doing. So if, if our sculptural pieces, say they are men's work, the, the handiwork of men's hand, gold, sculptural pieces. For me, I'm an artist. You put a sculptural pieces there, I have no problem with it. It's a sculptural pieces. You call it idol, I call it a sculpture. I don't know if you follow what I'm talking about. There is nothing like an idol. Verse number 5 says, They have mouths, <laughs> but they speak not. Eyes, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Nose have they, but they smell not. They have hands, but they handle not. They are just there looking at you. Feet have they, but they walk not. Neither speak they through their throats. They that make them, this is the main thing, are like what unto them. So it's everyone that trusted in them. They that worship idols are like the idols themselves. That means they have no life in them because the idols have no life. That's why I say when you worship idol, you reduce yourself than what you are supposed to be.
They have mouth, they have, they can't do, they have no life in them. They can't speak. They can do nothing. So, you restrain yourself. Now, let me even ask you this question. Have you really seen some of these shrine priests? Huh? I mean, can you look at their life? Will you like to be something like that? They are always very dirty. They stay in a very smelling environment. Is anybody understand what I'm talking about? I mean, will you want to be such? What are you looking for? You reduce the image and glory of God to nothingness by becoming a Juju priest. You even trying to visit one, you are reducing your own glory. Look at it. Look at the way they dress. They don't wear good clothes. No matter how much they have, they even leave it there. They don't. They can't even use it. Is that a life? Oh, come on. And Bible says God has given us all things to the world to enjoy. But they can't even use the money. Hallelujah. Get into their homes and you see stinking things because they've killed all the animal, pour the blood there, pour the, you understand that? All the bones are there. I mean, they serve God that doesn't eat flesh, they eat only bones. And you want to be envious of such a person? Oh, come on. Are you listening to what I'm talking about? Think about how they, they know in a way, but, but look at the way it works. They get the fowls, the chicken, whatever, and they kill it, they boil it, they eat it, they eat the flesh and put the bones. So their God is a bone eater. And you're envious of such a person? Oh, come on. Wake up, somebody. Praise the living God. You just like understanding. There is nothing like an idol. Nothing. Praise God. I remember when the boy that was next to Maxwell died when I was an idol worshiper in a shrine at the Zorro there. Did all the sacrifices, everything, the boy died. And there was an amount of money to build me. When the guy died, I got mad. I called the boy Ray. The ray of life, ray of hope. I was really mad. It was part of what led me to conversion. Because I just sat down one day and said, this is foolishness. I cannot do all of this and my child is dying. If it be a God, she be able to save my child. Nobody preached to me. I just got angry and I left. And one day I saw the priest. I was traveling from Lagos. Then I got converted. I went to the meeting. I was coming back. We met at Ore. And he called me. David. I looked at him. You know the way they dress. He had a staff in his hand. Stinking thing. And he looked at me and said, I didn't see you again. I said, for what? He said, you are supposed to be a balance. I said, which balance? My child died in your shrine. You asking me for balance or money? He said, ah, the shrine can be angry. I said, against who? Me? You're joking. I said, I'm God. I'm a believer. I serve a living God. Your shrine have no power. If your shrine have power, let it come and draw me to death. The idol is nothing. I know that by experience. Are you still there with me? They that make the idols are like unto them. 
So it's everyone that trusted in them. You trust in an idol, you are just like an idol. Who can talk, who can walk, who can smell, who can eat? Oh, stop fooling yourself. Don't even think of visiting a shrine for anything. It makes no sense. You're just reducing the glory God has given to you to nothingness. Huh? Think about it. Somebody went, cut down a tree, just cut it, put eye, put nose, put it somewhere, and you went and bowed down to the tree. You've just been foolish now. Think about it. A stump of a tree that is calmed and kept somewhere, you go down, bow down to it. Praise the living God. Listen, you become what you worship. Is that okay? You become what you worship. So if you worship in idols, you are definitely not going to make progress. You won't make progress because idols can't move. Look, look with me to the book of 2 Corinthians 3 verse 17. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 17. Now the Lord is that spirit, which is the Holy Spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Liberty. Freedom. Go to verse 18. But we all, with open faith beholding, as in a glass, the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory even as by what the spirit of the lord you become who you worship you worship idol you become idol in your life you become a believer beholding the lord you change from glory to glory so God expects you to make progress in his glory coming upon your life. Just because you serve him. That is why when you serve God, you get elevated in the spirit. You move on from progression to progression, if you will. There's an advancement for you becoming more Christ-like on the face of the earth. Because you become who you worship. Are you still there with me? How far have we gone? Let me know if it's up to an hour. Can stop. Exodus 20, verse number 3. Now I want to show you this. How glory to God. Exodus 20, verse 3. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. No strange God before me. Before or in my place. What he was trying to tell them, you listen to this. All of the miracles are performed, the manna, everything in the wilderness, the drying up of the river, the Red Sea, bringing you to the wilderness. No other God can do all of those things. Neither shall you take those things and make them gods. I don't know if you're getting this. All of those manifestations which are made of myself, now this commandment you see is very specific if I use the word species of a mental idolatry sometimes you can make idols in your mind and your head by the things either you have or the things that God has blessed you with you make idols of them don't let anything stand before me 
or in my place in your mind. Don't let your words become your God. Are you listening to me? God doesn't allow anything. He doesn't want anything that we contest with him in your thinking. Hallelujah. All inordinate attachment to earthly and sensible things. Don't allow that. As God is the fountain of happiness. I know intelligent creature can be happy, but through God alone, whosoever seeks happiness in the creature is necessary and idolatry. As opposed the creature in place of the creator, expecting that from the gratification of his passions and the use or abuse of earthly things, which is to be found in who? In God alone. Man wants happiness and he thinks either his words can give him happiness. If anything you're looking for that you feel will be a source of joy and happiness for you becomes an idol. You see what he said? Seek your false words, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things shall be what added. Your joy is your festival. Oh, come on. Look with me, Romans chapter 14. I come back here. Romans 14, 17. For what? The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but what? Righteousness and peace and joy. Where? In the Holy Ghost. You're looking for peace? It's found in the kingdom. Are you there with me? It's, this is not just ordinary peace. This is the peace that passes all understanding. The kind of joy they can quantify. This is the kind of joy that Paul and Silas had and they could be singing though they were in prison. If they take you to the police station now and lock the place, lock you in a cell there, you can hardly, you can't open your mouth. Is that okay? But here were these people put in prison and they were singing. They had a joy from the Holy Spirit. This is the kind of peace that Jesus had. So much so that they were in the storm in the river. And the Bible made us understand that though the storm was so heavy, the wind was coming in, water was entering the boat, Jesus was sleeping in the front of the boat. Some translators say, with a pillow. I ask you, how can you sleep when the boat you are in is about to capsize? He had the peace that passed that world, all understanding. That is to say, no circumstance can produce this kind of peace. That is to say, now let me even ask you this question. If, for instance, you got a lottery ticket now, and you just decide to go and buy a brand new Mercedes Benz, what happened? You'll be rejoicing, you know. You're coming back home, drinks, friends, everybody. And guess what? Let's assume the next morning you're just driving out to go and see a friend. And here is one drunk I just came with his, you know, and bash your Mercedes Benz. What is going to be in the next room thing? All the joy you had yesterday is gone. That is to say, material things cannot give you the kind of peace that you want. It can't give it to you. 
They are all temporary joy. They are all temporary peace. He can give it to you. Seek God and all this thing will be added. Not just that. Peace and joy will also be added to your life. So when men try to worship other idols, they're only looking for something. They want peace. They want happiness. And they feel those deities can give it to them. So here the Bible is telling us in Exodus 20. God actually instituted this to prevent man's mystery and promote his happiness by taking him off from all the false dependence and leading him to God himself and the fountain of all good things. Praise the living God. Do you understand what I've just said there? God gave this as a force in all the series of commandments. He gave this. Now this is where people, this is where people, I would say they get me wrong. They will tell you they have nothing to do with the Old Testament. We're on the New Testament. So, if you're the New Testament, are you going to give yourself over to idolatry? This commandment still remains. God is saying, I don't want anything to contend with me. It's still relevant. It's still valid. It's still there. It's not optional. It's not an optional thing. Hallelujah. Let's take this final scripture. Romans chapter 1, I'm reading from verse 16. Am I helping anybody? <laughs> the idol is nothing. Nothing. Hmm? You, you, sometimes you go, good rappers. I, I remember. We used to have a guy in this city that used to preach on this issue of idols, deliverance things, and you know, you understand that? If you're, you're a rapper, like our sister's having now, that was a bed, right? That's a bed. Now, if you have a rapper that has fish on it, then you must come for deliverance. Have you, have you, did you notice that? You must come for deliverance. And here we have these sisters who carried all their good materials, expensive materials, to the place to be destroyed or burnt. I don't know what it is. Because they have fish design on them. And you know, sisters used to buy those, is it judges? No, not judges. What do you call them? Hollandese or whatever, right? Good, good, good. Thank you. Now, and you have different designs. Some are fish, some are, you understand that? So, if there's a design of fish in your cloth, you may be suffering from marine spirit. You must bring it. They were collecting all those things. Until one sister one day came to me, and I was teaching, he came to fellowship first time, just visited us up there. And I was teaching, and he said, Pastor, I'll see you tomorrow. I said, Beautiful. The next day she came. And I said, What is it? He said, You were speaking, but you see, they told us. Anytime you have a material that has fish in it, you're suffering from marine spirit. I said, so what happened? So I carried all my clothes to the man. And I have some basins too. Remember those basins our sister used to have? Fish design. Everything carried to the church. Until I say, you're very foolish. He said, why do you say that? I said, you talk to me. Do you eat fish? He said, yes. How can the picture of a fish give you demon and the fish itself your eating does not give you demon? You are very foolish. You are eating fish. You are not a marine. But the picture in your cloth makes you a marine spirit. You see how pastors can fool you for lack of knowledge. And that was how she left the place. But with all her properties gone. Then I asked her the question, okay, why didn't they burn those clothes in your presence? Where are those clothes now? He said, I don't even know. I said, there you are. Maybe the pastor's wife is making good use of those things. 
You see what I'm saying? We are just stupid. We don't know what we're doing. Praise the living God. The idol is what? Nothing. Not like it. Don't deceive yourself. Don't fool yourself. Okay, Romans chapter 1. Look at 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is what? The power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believe it. To the Jews first and also what? To the Greeks. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the power. Nothing else. Nothing else. I'm not against what you call deliverance, but that is not what saves you. You're saved through the gospel. That is what the Bible says. People confuse deliverance in where they conduct it from the gospel of Jesus. Now let me show you something. I'll come back here. Acts chapter 26. Give me verse 18. Okay, let's start from 17 to 18. I'll show you something. God was speaking to Paul on the road to Damascus. Delivering you from the people. How did God deliver Paul? He conducted deliverance for him. Delivering you from the people and from the Gentiles. Can we take it from a simpler translation? Maybe the new King James, whatever. I just want this thing sink in. New King James. Okay. I will deliver you from the Jews, people, and as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. To do what? Open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith that is in me. How was Paul going to do that? Preach the gospel. Praise the living God. Take this from the message translation, Judges verse 18. To open the eyes of the outsiders so that they can see the difference between darkness and light. And choose light. See the difference between Satan and God and choose God. I'm sending you off to present my offer of sins forgiven and a place on the family, which is the church. Inviting them into the company of those who have begun reliving by believing in me. It's so simple. I'm sending you to do that. Is that okay? Do you understand what I've just said? How do you? Now go back to Romans chapter 1 verse 16. The gospel of Christ is the power of God unto what? Salvation. Nothing else. When the light hits you, you begin to see the difference between God and Satan. You begin to see the difference between, I mean, plain rays of light will flood your spirit. And you come to that place of realization just like the prodigal son. I can't remain in this place. I'm going to go back to my father's house. Hallelujah. Verse 17. For therein is the righteousness of God. Where? In the gospel. There is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written. The just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and righteousness of men. Who hold the truth in righteousness. Because that they which may be known of God is manifesting them. For God has showed it unto them. Verse number 20. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world 
are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So it's just like you look up in the sky, you begin to see the cloud, you begin to see everything there, you can readily conclude there is a living God. You see the trees, and you say, no, the tree cannot form himself, or form itself, there must be a living God. You see the oceans, everything you see in creation, they are all speaking. That's why the psalmist says, the creation has speaking of the glory of God. The stars, the moon, they declare the glory of God. Are you still with me? The invisible things of the Godhead, I mean, have been made manifest by the things which cannot be, I mean, can be seen. When you look at creation, you know that God exists. That's what he's saying. Look at verse number 21. Because that, when they knew God, they glorify him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imagination. Look at where he's coming from. And their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they become fools. And the fool have said in his heart, there is no God. And change the glory of the incorruptible God into what? An image made like to corruptible man and to bird and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Can you get that? They change the glory of the invisible God by now worshipping the things that can be seen. So man creates a bird and says it's an idol. He counts a human being, put it somewhere. He said it's an idol. So they are reducing. Are you getting what I'm talking about? The invisible God into that which can be handled and they worship that. He said because they refuse to retain God in their heart, God gives them over to foolishness in their imagination to worship the creature instead of the creator. So now they worship trees, they worship rivers, they worship anything they can see because they have refused to retain the knowledge of God where? In their mind. So the only reason why you go into idol worship is when you refuse to retain God in your mind. Anytime you choose not to stay with who God have ordained you to be, you become an idol worshiper. You refuse to retain the knowledge of God in your mind. That's the only reason why people go into idol worship. They have forsaken the living God. They forgot that the things that are created, they point to the invisible God. The Godhead have been made manifest by the things that we can see. But man have left the Godhead and now worshiping the thing which he has created. And God said, God gave them over because of a darkened mind and wrong imagination. They become fools. And Psalm again 53 says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. So there is no God. The image has become your God. May you not be an atheist. May you not be an idol worshiper. May you not become the one that have said in your heart, there is no God. But the things which you have already given yourself over to, God said, thou shalt worship no other God before me. Don't place an idol before me. Don't let your word become an idol. Don't let anything separate you from the God who have created you. Can you please stand up? This is the only thing the Bible is talking about. I'm telling you of three different believers. The first one is the atheist. Second one is the idol worshiper. I'm trying to describe for you. I'll continue with it next week. I'm trying to describe for you how you become an idol worshiper. In your heart, by the way you think, when your weight has entered into your head, anything you have can become an idol. Separating you from the true 
and the living God. I just want you to pray in a few moments. I don't know where you are right now. I don't know where you are right now. I don't know where you are right now. I just want you to talk to the Father. Talk to the Father. Talk to the Father. Talk to the Father. I want you to pray. I want you to pray. I want you to pray. I want you to talk to God. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.